Welcome into another edition of Cat Tales, the Weaver State Athletics Podcast. I'm Paul Grua, along with Jerry Bowlby, the Weaver State Athletic Director. We're ready for another podcast. By the way, Jerry, we should mention we're now available on iTunes. So make sure fans can subscribe there and follow us on iTunes as well as SoundCloud. We've reached the pinnacle of podcast. Big time now. Big time now. Big time. And we're Find excited to talk to iTunes. a big time guest today. Mary Kay Amicone, the head coach of the Weber State softball team, just wrapped up another softball season with another Big Sky title. So we're going to talk about all that. And Mary Kay, you've completed five years at Weber State. Hard to believe that probably, too. Yeah. Yeah. Seems like uh, one. <laughs> well, welcome. We're glad to have you. We'll we'll get into your uh, your story a little bit about your time at Weber State, not just as a coach, but also as a player, a former Weber State player who's gone on to have a long, long coaching career at, at a lot of different places, especially around the state at Salt Lake Community College. Has coached at Utah and BYU, and even coached a high school boys baseball team. We'll talk about that. Broke the uh, gender barrier. Yes, she's first ever woman. To won coach over six hundred and fifty career games. Broke in it. Smashed All it. these wins. Yeah. The key, he said, was long, long, long. Long, long. Yeah, that, means that means you've been eight. around. I don't know. It's good Not stuff. Necessarily. started when she was 15. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> well, let's start about that, actually. Let's start when you grew up. Uh, and uh, and it was softball something you always liked? You always had a, a fashion for sports growing up? Yeah. I was born in Orange, California. And so... Um, there was a lot of sunshine, a lot of softball, a lot of baseball, football, you name it. We did it. After school sports was a staple, and I was the middle child with an older brother and a younger brother. And my mom actually played um, softball. So when I reached age eight, we started, she, she put me in Bobby Socks, which is a huge organization at the time. And um, man, I was a fireball. Was? I, I loved it. Yeah, yeah, was. Just that. Just that. Was and, and I grew is. out of that, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Pretty much. So I I loved playing every sport, but um, because my mom coached me in softball, that made it even more special. There you go. So you obviously were good enough to play college softball. How did you end up at Weber State? Well, yeah, I, I guess I was. Must uh, have been. I played I played. I had a great um, high school experience. We moved from California to Utah, and I moved to Murray. And I was able to, at the time, um, gosh, there weren't weren't many women's sports. And so uh, I was fortunate to play all three sports, volleyball, basketball, and softball at Murray High. Had two incredible high school coaches. And um, then in the summer, I played club ball, and it was competitive stuff, and I had some really good friends that uh, were really, really good, and versus high school softball, club softball was the way to get into a college program. So because of that club experience, I I ended up um, kind of just growing and got a little taste of, of Weber State, and I actually met Chris Thornock through Jane Miner, and Jane Miner was one of my club coaches, and she was at Weber State for a time, and um, so she connected me with Chris Thornock, and um, I walked on at Weber State, and I, I just really loved it, and um, 
then they dropped the program. Mm -hmm. yeah. So it was a bummer. And I had friends that were going to Utah and friends here at Weaver State, and I just decided that I, I needed to use that eligibility. And so I transferred to Utah and played um, the rest of, so two years here for Chris and two years for Norma Carr at Utah. And some of you know, the greatest times of my life were here and, and finishing up my degree at Utah. And it's interesting, you mentioned two people that I, I've worked with as well a little bit, uh, Jane Miner and, and then Norma Carr, t two people that really helped to, we talk about breaking some barriers, but yeah. they were they were involved with breaking the gender barrier a little bit in sports in our state and, and involved in, in that. Um, you know, it was tough. It was, it was tough. I, I get people sometimes will say, what do you think of Title IX? And I say, I, th I think it's great. I wish we could have handled it on our own without being forced to, but... We just didn't do the right things when we should have. Right. Right? And, right. And, and so some of them stepped up and said, hey, there's a place here. It's not just something for boys. Right. Yeah, they, they're incredible um, leaders. And they, yeah, they, they fought hard to pave the way for us. Mm. Um, at some point, Jane was at Hillcrest High uh, coaching basketball and softball and things. And then, yeah, they, when I, I, Mark and I have two sons and, they, they're so out of it as far as Title IX goes. They don't really understand because from their background... It's always been here. It's always been yeah, here. Yeah. But when I start to reminisce, of course, that we, when I played all three sports, we were basically in a gym suit. Yeah. yeah. And we had uh, Saturday, and this dates me big time from, <laughs> from the whole beginning of the conversation, but we played on, like, the field day, which was around Robin uh, Thursday they would say everybody go out to these fields and you're gonna have you couldn't get play. you couldn't get practice time you couldn't get field time it nope. was like a secondary well we're not using it this day that's the day you can have it right right and and so this kind of transcended all of that and now what we have now and you're right today's generation they don't they don't know that which is good right, this yeah. is what they know and it's we're all there so pretty neat that you have been a part of, though, the early days of Weber State softball in the early 80s, and now, of course, obviously a big part of it the now. The resurgence. And just to see the differences and the resurgence that the program's gone through is going to be pretty neat. You didn't have any of the, the kind of things that are available to the athletes today, I'm sure, back That's then, right. right? No, no. We played, um, and I when I drive around campus with recruits or just drive down to lower campus, uh, I remember vividly just having the backstop, having the dugout was a fence with a bench, and it was played, and there were the dorm towers. Okay. And, um, Hermitory Tower over there. So it's right, right where the practice field is yeah. now, is that where, where yeah. you played? Just, just like a park, right. like a city park, basically. Right. Yeah. And it's even hard to, for me to believe that it wasn't the NCAA sanctioned. Yeah, it wasn't yeah. sponsored by the NCAA. So yeah. uh, we've come a long way. Yes, and, yes. and just to, to see... Now it's on the ESPN, the selection show. <laughs> wow. I mean, if you have, just in the last two weeks, man, you, you have seen some of the greatest softball. Mm -hmm. And to have our games streamed and our parents to be able to see from maybe their homes in Washington or California, it... You just couldn't have told me that yep. in the in 1981. Yeah. Pretty remarkable. Yeah, even in the last couple of years here, we've seen. Now we do a broadcast. We, I mean, it's growing. We're continuing to get better, but we, they're available. 
Right. And and it's fun. Yeah, pretty remarkable. As an athlete, as a student in college, did you did you want to go into coaching? Did you know that? When did that coaching desire start? No, I didn't. I, originally, I wanted to go kind of the teaching route, which is what I ended up getting my degree in um, elementary ed. Okay. And I think I was so impressed with my high school coaches and with Chris, for sure. Chris Thornock had done it right. And so I, I did want to go into teaching so that, because um, I felt that, um, just that purpose and the influence. And so a bunch of my friends were still playing, we were still playing softball, fast pitch um, in the summer. So I got my teaching credential, got a teaching job in fifth and sixth grade, and then um, worked my way through, okay, now we've got, our sons are a little older, I'm gonna get into coaching. And my, one of my good friends was my maid of honor. She's the head coach at Texas A&M, and Joe Evans. And she kind of opened the pathway to get into the Utah, um, into coaching at the University of Utah as the, the part-time assistant. Yeah. But really, um, some of the greatest times was when I coached club softball because mm-hmm. I got to stay with the 12-year-olds and then they moved up to 14s and they moved up to 16s and then they they went to Utah. Mm-hmm. And so I had that opportunity to kind of coach them through and that's when Joe asked me to move with them and transition with them and, and really he felt their the change in yeah. their lives. Yeah, that's neat. So you spent several years as an assistant at Utah and then... Spent three years as the head coach at BYU, the first varsity softball head coach yes, at BYU. That was exciting. Yeah. Ooh. And not only that, but led the Cougars to the Mountain West Championship in 2001 and was named Coach of the Year. Yeah. That's pretty good. Unbelievable. We're just going to keep talking about how good you were, right? Or are, I should say. <laughs> no, I just, just can't What do you, what do you remember about that. about that and, then, and becoming a head coach for the first time? Yeah, I had assisted um, for a couple of people, and then there was just this uncanny transition. Um, I had actually been, Salt Lake Community College had opened their softball program. And so in January, uh, Norma Carr had hired me to be the head coach at Salt Lake Community College. So I had recruited all the kids coming into Salt Lake Community College. And then in, in April, we were hearing rumblings that BYU was going to open a position and we're like, no way, no, not going to happen. So um, I, when I got more serious that it really was opening, I said to Norma, you know, if this opens, I've got to throw my hat in there. I've got to. And she, she said, of course you do, but you, you're not going to like it. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, okay. But um, we're all set. If, if it does happen, so sometime in April, after all of the kids were committed, softball hadn't, you know, we purchased whatever, um, I got the job, wow. and BYU had nothing. They didn't you were building it. it from scratch. Yeah, it's a lot of work. Yeah, it, well, I can't even fathom it right now because honestly, the position here at Weber State, you gave a year in advance. Yeah. Well, I accepted that position in May, and we didn't have any softball equipment a place to play. We played in the city park. We didn't have a schedule. We didn't have any athletes. But fortunately, it was one of those situations where there were uh, really good players at Rick's 
junior college and at UV, UVU was a mm -hmm. junior college. So I kind of combined those two um, for upperclassmen, only signed a couple of freshmen and just tried like crazy to get maybe 28 games. I mean, it was slim pickings because it, you know, like now everybody has. Not as we had it at the time. Not even everybody had the sport at the time. We didn't have the t sport either at the time, and right. so but everybody uh, already had their schedules. Yeah, so yeah. we played at the Provo City Park. I don't remember the name of it, <laughs> but um, yeah, it was it was really insightful to um, work at BYU. Yeah, pretty remarkable. You also spent time as the first female to coach a Utah high school boys team. When he coached at Jordan High, the Bee Diggers. That's right. right? That's right. Tell us about that story. How'd that happen? That was that was pretty cool. So also, I mean, I think about all the opportunities I've been able to have have come through some little trial or some little adversity. And after the run at BYU, um, I I had a you know a personal issue. My my younger brother had passed away suddenly. And um, I was pretty down and didn't see eye to eye with the philosophy of athletics at BYU. And so we went separate ways and I, I really honestly didn't want to coach anymore. So I w looked at teaching and I still had my teaching credential and I had it for elementary ed and then I had it for secondary. And so um, <coughs> I decided to take an elementary job and then our, our two sons were younger, and I'd been coaching them every summer in boys' baseball. Right. And with Mark's, you know, he, he, when he had time, he, he'd come along. And so I got to know all the, the coaches that were coaching baseball. And so I had this elementary ed job that I just signed up for. And uh, all of a sudden, Jordan High job opened, and a good friend of mine, Mark Hunter, Hutch, is his new name. Oh, yeah. yeah, you know Hutch. Mm -hmm. He he calls me up and he says, "Hey, you know, uh, we get this opening suddenly, and I really need you." And I'm like, "No way, I, I no." And then he started contrasting. Well, this is what's going to happen then. You know, your your kids are going to move into a program where you're you're the most capable candidate well i'm not a candidate because i got another job and <laughs> i've so, seen this movie you've just been through this but <laughs> uh -huh, similar uh -huh. right so we went round and round and i thought well okay i can teach elementary school and coach the baseball team so not a big deal and then pretty soon he's like well what if we could get you half time in health and pe and coach the the boys baseball and i went oh all right, <laughs> so so he talked me into it, and it you know what I I had been in an environment of assisting and being the head coach in a women's sport where men were coaching all over the place. Yeah. Mike Andrea, I mean, there there were a million men coaching women, and I really did not see what was about to hit. Was all of a sudden this this um, for lack of a better term it was like all the good old boys and there were there wasn't a female coaching and I'm like yeah I've been coaching I've been coaching every summer so what's the difference I'm a collegiate yeah. coach no big deal to you no. but it was to a lot of people yeah yeah <laughs> Sounds like and it, it you know at the end of the day it's coaching and teaching 
and if it's male or female, it didn't really matter. But you know, it, it turned into kind of an interesting dynamic in that um, the 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 guys that I coached, I won them over because I could hit BP, uh, I could throw BP, I could hit fungo. It wasn't really an issue, and the parents that had played with Trevor at the time, they were like, yeah, this, you know, this is the right person. And, and, but outside the world was going, wow, this is a first and this is that. And I'm like, it's really not a big deal. They lead off, we didn't lead off. Yeah, okay. And I had amazing, two amazing coaches. That, um, Mark Clevin, who had coached uh, collegiately, and Chad Grundy, who I had coached. Um, his wife and softball and so they helped forge the way but it was an interesting thing mm. because there was um, this dynamic of well we don't want to lose to a woman <laughs> and I went w excuse me what uh, yeah, I'm not playing but I'm coaching and if we're, we're beating you it's because these guys are talented and so it just really opened my eyes to to how much that women had accepted men in sport. And but not the other way around. It, not the other way around at all, at all. And mm. so for me, I, I was thinking, what is the deal? And um, so I just carried forward this, the same kind of coach's philosophy in terms of this is how we work, this is how we get it done. And yet I saw how other um, teams approached playing Jordan mm. and they threw their best pitcher and it wasn't like you, you didn't play a three-game series. It was you played one game. Every game was a one-game yeah. series. Yep. And so we saw Jordan, our guys, saw the best pitcher from every team in that region because they They're didn't want to lose to Coach Amicum. <laughs> and, and I'm like, oh. Which in a funny kind of way prepared you for, you know, it's a tough season, but it prepares the guys to be ready to go toward postseason too, right? Yeah, oh, for sure. It's just, and, and you have to learn as a coach, how am I going to take this and make it a positive? I mean, uh, Coach Ray and I were talking last week about something. He goes, if that were here, I'd put a chip on our shoulder and we'd go out and say, it's the world against us. But some coaches, they'll, they'll look at it, and you're not that way. You always are like, okay, how can I use this to get an edge? Yeah. and Because that's what it is. Yeah, for sure, and it, and it really was. It was eye-opening to to see the difference and what was, um, and you could either say from the player's standpoint, you know, you get to see the best pitching, which is going to prepare you for whatever, but what was one, probably one of the most memorable deals was that baseball steeped in tradition, and they, they just don't, they don't change a whole lot of things, and Jordan was playing Alta, and they're, they're rivals. And Alta was really good. And we were, you know, it was my first year and we had some seniors and, and uh, I didn't know how, how this rivalry had worked up to this point, but our guys were still middle of the pack in the region. And we go up to Alta to play and both teams have a circle stretch, right? You start off with the run to the fence and circle stretch. Well, Alta, number one in the region, they're gonna go, they're probably in one state. Well, we're circle stretching in right field, and their guys decide that it's going to be cool to just run through our circle stretch. And I'm writing the lineup in the dugout, and Coach Clevin and I, and, and we're looking up, and we're like, 
don't do it, don't run through that circle. And sure enough, they ran through to, to touch the fence on the other side, and our guys, like, it, it was one of those <laughs> things where you learn what a purpose pitch a is. Brouhaha. Yeah, <laughs> and that you don't do that. Yeah. And so it's like poking the bear. So Alta, we went on to beat Alta because they, they essentially said, we don't care who you are, we're gonna run through whatever. And our guys played inspired because they just weren't gonna take that. That's fun and, stuff. You know, it also was eye-opening because um, first game that I ever coached in baseball, they hit our, they hit our leadoff hit. Mm. And Coach Clevin's like, you know what that is, right? And I'm like, I do, <laughs> and I don't like it. It's not his fault. It's nobody's fault, you know? But they wanted to, it to be known that this is new territory, and you're gonna have to adapt. And we, we certainly did. And man, the year that I left, basically, that foundation, it, and it was a hard foundation, man, mm -hmm. to transition the high school, um, you know, baseball coaches, softball coaches in the high school world, they're mowing the lawn, they're chalking the lines, they're doing it all. They're tarping the fields themselves. And that helped build, build me into yeah, a, a better sure. coach hmm. too. But um, I, I'm proud to say that that program now is, is multiple state championships yeah. from that foundation. So that was, that was a neat experience, a hard experience. Yeah. It was, it's really hard for Mark too, my husband Mark, because um, I, I also learned it was hard for Trevor. Um, because, you know, when your parents coach, it's one thing, but when your mom coaches and you're, you're the son, you're getting thrown at multiple times, and you're, you've got to be a better player. And Trevor likes to tell the story about how he has a number, I don't know that number, but he has a number of times that I pinch hit for him. And I'm like, yeah, well, if you weren't the better hitter, I'm going to pinch hit for you. That's the way it always has rolled. And so, you know, in his coaching career, he can say, yeah, you know, I wasn't good enough. I needed to get better to, in order to, to stay in the hitting lineup. So It's tough sometimes to hear that from your mom. Yeah, for sure. I was right. Coach Amico. That's right. right. I know. That's right. See, here she, she corrected yeah, me. Yeah, neat stories. We're talking with Barry K. Amico, the head coach of the Weber State softball team. And uh, before you came to Weber State, you'd spent nine years at Salt Lake Community College. Again, you got obviously got back into coaching, mm -hmm. even so it sounded like you maybe didn't want to, but you did. You can tell us about that. And you you had some tremendous success down there, going to three straight national championship games in in Salt Lake Community College. Uh, transitioning to the junior college was that much of an adjustment as well? Um, let's see. Well, it was really good for me to. I knew Amy Hogue, who at the time was the the Salt Lake Community College coach. In fact, she's who I told Norma. We had been working together at Utah. She was ready. I helped her transition because I had recruited the players for her to start her program now. And um, she called me and said, "I'm I'm expecting a baby. I'm gonna I'm gonna hang it up for a while. Do you want this job?" And I'm like, "Nope, nope. It's been too hard." At she says that every time. <laughs> Sounds like way. yeah. This I've is heard a trend. That before, oh, twice yeah. here. Well, no. We'll I get to that, too, yeah. in a minute. No, <laughs> it's, it was just like, here I had transitioned Jordan's program, and it was open gyms, it was mowing the lawn. and But what it really came down to was um, Trevor and I had a heart-to-heart -heart talk, and, and, you know, I, 
understood his perspective of that this is hard and that, you know, there are two sides. Not only do these women need you, Amy needs you to take over the program. She's hand-selected you. Norma wants you to come back. You played for Norma. That's there. But, you know, I kind of, I need, I need to be credible out here. I need to make Do sure my thing. that I, I'm doing my thing. And, you know, that was a great day. Yeah. Because he could be able to tell me like it was. And I realized that that was the time. So I started back up and, and Amy left me with some really good players and it was close. We lived in Sandy. It was uh, still hard work. Still, they were good, so they had set a pretty good um, standard there. And so it, it was different in that. Yeah. Uh, it didn't have many rules. Probably true. Thus, yeah. You know, like here. Like NCAA rules yeah. and stuff. Yeah. Four hundred thirty-three wins, though. Coach of the year four times. Mm. It's pretty impressive. Do you not remember? It's a lot that. of games. Well, it's true. Now, I'll let you talk about this, Jerry, as she comes to Weber State, but because uh, you obviously were heavily involved in recruiting her to Weber State. Twice. Twice. Okay, so you can tell us about that. You coached for nine years at at, uh, at Slick, but the, the opening comes at Weber State. Jerry, what, what happens? What's well, your process? I, I was not the athletics director at the time when we started the program. I was no. on campus assisting. Uh, Jerry Graybill was the athletics director, in, but I was on the committee. He'd asked me to be on the committee. As a, and I was involved in athletics and involved in campus in my, in my job at that time. And so I mentioned I had a tie with Mary Kay and, and with Mark and that I'd reach out and see if we could, because we were trying to build the pool. She's not ready to make the move. At the time, I didn't realize the, the work she had done at BYU to start a program. And I, I think in the end, I'm hoping in the end, it was really, I, I saw this movie once. <laughs> And I'm not interested in the sequel of the work that needs to be done in building a program from scratch and the timing. It just wasn't the right timing. Is that fair to so say? Yeah, yeah, that's exactly. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't just, it wasn't, I was, yeah, I, I had just dug in to, for the third time in a row. Yep. You were four or five, maybe four years in mm -hmm. um, there again and, and had a, I mean, it was just timing. Mark was busy with his career with yeah. the bees and it just didn't make sense yeah, yeah. so was I gave it my I gave it my very best so fast forward about four years later then when an opening comes again here at Weber State now I'm the athletic director now you're the idea and you go after her again yeah. right and and interesting at the time um, UVU was looking for a coach as well so there was both searches going on and a certain news media person in town whose daughter played had just it became competitive for me because he's like, "Well, we're we're going to get Mary Kay at UVU." Yeah. I'm like, well, good luck to you. <laughs> and, but we had started some conversations, and I, I think timing, and it still still took some work. I'll let her talk about that. But we're the we're the benefactor of of the work and effort to yes, get her to make it right. And she's she she is as fiery and competitive as any coach I've ever worked with. Wow. Wow. That's saying something. High praise, right? <laughs> no, I, I feel the, the support. Yeah. So, so when, again, you've been there nine years, and then the, the job approaches again. It sounds like Utah Valley and Weber State at the same time. Where were you? What were you thinking? What was your thought process? Well, one of the first things that, that hit me at the time was 
we had we had been in the national championship game. I had our sons were were both graduated from high school. So one of the great things from a, a mom perspective was that I was able to um, coach at a high level and see our sons play. And so it was important to be at their games. And in fact, in 2007, I, I believe it was, uh, Derek won a state championship as a junior. And at one of the coolest moments, Trevor's on a mission, Derek's winning the state championship, and I'm, I'm able to be there. And as a, as a um, Division One coach, there are a lot of things that you miss. You miss people's special events due to wherever you're at. And so that was that was huge. So they had both finished, and I, I just had a sense that if I was ever going to go to um, a Division One program, now would be the time because I was healthy enough, I was strong enough, but I was sitting there in Sandy, Utah for about 25 years. We had grown up there, and I'm thinking, hmm, UVU, I wouldn't have to move. UVU is just easy, around the point of the mountain. And I knew some of the people there, and so I, you know, I kind of thought, yeah, that, that sounds good. And then I hear through the grapevine that, that Weaver State's going to have an opening. And I distinctly remember uh, traveling back from Twin Falls. We had just won um, the region championship and, and going to go to nationals. And I was driving alone in the van. Everybody was with their parents, and I remember thinking, I'm, I'm leaving. This, this is, I'm going. And it was kind of surreal, and then just kind of the transaction of um, setting up the interview and setting up the visit here. Um, God, I got on campus, and I was, yeah, I drove around, looked at, oh, this is where we played. Things have changed a little know, bit. Yeah. Even though we had played as a junior college, we had played Weber State because we I had two two players that were had actually made a profound change for Coach Johnson, and that was Erica James and Sarah Clark, and they they set records and they had come from our program, and and so um, I knew where the field was. But I, I didn't really entertain in any ever coming here and any change ever happening. So, but honestly, when I got here and uh, with Jerry, it, it just felt right. It was the right thing. And went to the field, went back to my love of, of the academics here and, and thought, oh, this, is, this feels right. And... Um, we had an indoor facility. We were, we were yep. in the process yep. of building, and I think all of that with it just was the right time. It was it was the right time, and um, I man, it was a whirlwind. It was a whirlwind to tell the folks at Salt Lake no, now I wouldn't be returning, and then UV I didn't actually follow through with anything there. Um, we tried to make a rush job to. <laughs> <laughs> to get it out all, in front of it. <laughs> yeah, it all worked out. It, it worked, all out. worked out. And it was perfect timing. And it was it was a whirlwind because there's a big transition, for sure. Pretty neat. Um, you know, you've you've had such great success. The last three years, won Big Sky titles, got in the NCAA tournament a couple of times. I mean, that, that's that's got to be a lot of fun. 
Um, as you look back on the last few years here at Weber State, what, what stands out? What, what are some favorite memories, favorite wins? <laughs> well, one of the first and foremost things is Jerry and Amy's support, uh, Chuck's support, Norm's support. They've just been from the get-go. You know, what, what do you need? What, here's where we're at. What do we need to do to uh, win the big sky? You know, what, what do you need? And at that point, there were some things that I looked at and seriously thought of, well, we can't have success if we're driving a bus that far to play a conference game, right? There were some, there were some, you know, certain things that I knew that we needed that support, and I felt that right away. And it, because it was a, a pretty big learning curve from no rules to all these Division One rules. Right. And um, so I felt that right away. And then immediately our team started to kind of reach out and get to know. They, would, they called me from their California homes or wherever. Macaulay Flint had committed from our Salt Lake mm -hmm. program. Um, so there were a few people I knew, EJ, Erica James, and Sarah are like, so glad you took that job. You're going to be amazing, and how, how can we help? So it was hit the ground running. And when we started practicing, um, the, the existing student-athletes just, they bought in 100%. They, they wanted change. They wanted to be better. And it was, again, an infusion of winning. So, so the Salt Lake players, we ended up having more than just Macaulay. Miley Davis came. Malia Campos came. We had um, a couple of um, CSI, again, rivalries, but uh, CSI, Kylie Hogue came, and Aubrey Whitmer, who immediately delivered success. They were, um, they had played many, many games at junior college, and then you infused them with the Kristen Kubo, Ali Culp, and things started to happen where the expectation is we're gonna win. And you don't tell Macaulay Flynn you know, in a classroom that you guys haven't won a game in blah, blah, blah. And she was like, well, come out this year. Because she told me of how that conversation went. And I went, what? They said that to you? They don't know you, do they? <laughs> so, I mean, it was, it was that was a, a cooler thing. But obviously, um, winning at Idaho State, winning the... Uh, initial Big Sky tournament and those events again were preceded by huge support because you know we had some decisions in that tournament that I needed support with. We had some rain, we had you know Big Sky uh, rules and so winning that is it was just yeah. surreal because these kids had been at the bottom you know, Ali and Kubo and all that class were uh, Morgan Alaban. They just were so happy. And what and you find is winning is cultural. Yeah. So then the expectation just rises immediately, and it's like, okay, we never go by. That's the new standard. Right. Uh, and, we, and we continue to move on. Yeah. I would say, too, NCAA tournament bids, uh, going to Louisiana first, and then, you know, we spent a – it felt like a week in Seattle that we'll never get back, just with weather there and yeah. all that. But but those are memorable uh, opportunities, and you know, um, 
softball's crazy because there's so many games. It's yeah. a grind. It, it really is. The year's a grind. I was going to ask you this. How, you guys start out, you know, road trips in California, Arizona, or Nevada, five, six weeks straight, and you're never home. Yeah. That's got to be tough. You're on the week road every weekend, Yep. and you're never home, and you play 30-plus games before you even get home. Right. Everybody thinks we're not playing. <laughs> Everybody, I mean, we go to a wild, wildcat luncheon, and they're like, you haven't started yeah, yet. Yeah, we started. No, we've been no, on the road we're, forever. We're dead tired. We yet got home at 2 a.m. Uh, yeah. We played five games yeah. this weekend. But then you get an infusion when you come back home too, right? It's yeah. like a second season. Yeah, in a lot of ways because now you've played preseason. Um, you've played five games a weekend. Um, and, yes, they have been on the road, but, but now you start to play three games yeah. and you play a, a single game. And a double header, it seems but it seems, seems it seems easy like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like it's different. But it is a grind. Yeah, it is. It's a, a lot of games, a lot of games for it sure. Mary Kay Amicone, head coach at Weber State softball, joining us on today's Cattails. Uh, to say the least, uh, baseball, softball has been important to your family. I think that's safe to say, right? Yeah. Your, your husband Mark, the GM and president of the Salt Lake Bees, been there for many years, and Trevor, as you mentioned, who worked for us for a little bit, but he's coached as well, and your son's. Coached uh, Derek with Oregon, right? He's been up yep. there, and so obviously you guys must talk and, and spend a lot of time a lot of watching some home. baseball. <laughs> Did you get the steel signal to go to the bathroom on the yeah. inning break? Come on, let's, yeah, I mean everything's by mm-hmm. signal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> We're, we've had some interesting conversations, and there's there's a lot of uh, baseball regionals and softball regionals on our house. Man, we yeah. We pretty much know when to uh, when it's been a good day and when it hasn't been a good day, and who needs to go for a walk and and let's change the subject or whatever. But yeah, it's really fun. So I've talked to Trevor about this a little bit, but he's, he <laughs> says, "You take you are you take these losses so hard. You, do you are the losses harder than the wins are are great? Does that make sense? Yeah. Do you take the losses harder? Yeah, for sure. Really." Yeah, you know, you you can really, that's what drives you, and you look for ways to get better, and you need a little space. I mean, the players need a little space if they, um, they also, you know, they can reflect and look at it, and how are we going to get better for it, but um, yeah, it's kind of like what you said about the wins, that I, I don't really remember those. Yeah, did you tell when you asked her it was hard for her? Yeah, to think of the wins. <laughs> she could probably remember so, some losses. And, <laughs> and good coaches, they're wired differently. Good coaches will always remember the losses more than the wins. So you ask them, what's your most memorable loss? Oh, we can name a bunch of them uh, because they take responsibility for the decisions and how the outcomes, but they have a hard time remembering the wins sometimes. And so in our conversations, we have to talk about enjoying the moment. Yeah, and, yeah, and the and, relationships. Yeah, yeah. And, the, and, you know, finding the joy in, in it because um, it can be a grind and you can get focused yeah. on the things you're not doing, and that, that can be problematic. It's pretty neat to watch, uh, at least as an outsider to watch. I don't know what it's like to, to be there, but... Baseball, softball, so so much strategy, perhaps more than any sport, especially late. You get those late games, yeah. you guys are changing runners, you're changing pitchers. Yeah. What's that like when you're in that moment? You say, I got to make some, you just have to make some snap decisions on what to do. Yeah. What's that like? Well, I, I think the more, and, and that's part of the, the love of the game, is the more you get to know your team and your personalities and your personnel, 
and your strengths and, and the more they become, become um, trusting of themselves and of our moves, the better they perform. And so the fall is very important with aid scrimmages and, and them getting the most, it's, it's kind of fall training is likened to spring training in baseball, but you grow together and, and they want that success. So if a Landy Hawker is up and she's a left-handed speed player, she is ready to go with um, handing the bat to a power hitter that's gonna drive in a Sadie, a Sadie Blacker is going to double or hit a home run. And they're similar height, but they do different skills. And I, I, you usually have a flow. You usually have a moment where you're like, yes, this lines up perfectly. Then we can re-enter Landy to run and, and those kinds of things. But you, it's, it really has to be um, built throughout um, the fall and the process of, of thinking ahead of what are our options here. Yeah, interesting. Interesting strategy. Well, Jerry, you said she's one of the, what do you call her, feistiest coaches? She's a feisty, competitive <laughs> coach. And I, I find, I, I love working in that environment. I love, um, you know, the conversations and how do we get better. And um, it's never personal. It's always about the issue and it's always about what can we do. And, and then we do the best we can and, and we accept it. And then we immediately transition to, okay, how can I, how can I turn this into an advantage? And I think that's one of the things that makes uh, her what she is, very successful. Um, you, you never have to amp up competitiveness here. Uh, my, my thing is always, are you enjoying it? Because if, if you're enjoying it in the long run, then you're going to be here a lot longer and be happy. And, you know, that, that's something you can, you can never push someone to be more competitive. It, you either are or you aren't, but you can always pull back and find the joy in the journey, so to speak. And, right. And so that's a lot easier. Approach. She's definitely got the passion, yeah. and she's competitive. Yeah, yeah. right. Yes, yeah. yeah, I, I do. I do, and and I love it. But you know, I also love the associations and and Jerry, Amy, everyone that's in the athletic department. It's just like talking to Coach Myers just outside the window. You know, we're catching up. We're Randy, um, Bethann. We we always we're talking about different um, success. And how do you get through certain things or whatever? But it, it is um, a great profession, and I love being at Weaver State. Good. We're glad to have you. Thank, Thank you. you. And, Thank and you. And congratulations on all the success, and uh, thanks for joining us today. Yeah, it's my pleasure. All right. Mary Camico, head coach at Weaver State Softball, thanks for joining us today. Be sure to subscribe to us for another edition of Cat Tales, and we'll talk to you soon. Go Wildcats!